I'd like to join in with the others in welcoming everyone here this morning. This morning we're going to, really this is kind of a series that's kind of evolved from my study. I had no intention of continuing to do these type of studies, but the more I get into it, the more interested I become in it. And essentially what we've been doing is looking at certain verses and, that are misused in our society. And this morning we're going to look at, the, at Matthew 7 and verse 1 and the idea of, of judge not. So when we look at this, you think about our society that we live in today, and anytime somebody's engaged in some kind of immoral behavior or they make these choices, a lot of times they're going to fall back on Matthew 7 verse 1 where Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. And that's, that's a fallback for, for many people, and it makes people feel better about their situation and, and what they're going through. So the question we have to ask is, is this what that really means? Does it mean that, is Jesus saying that we are not to ever make a judgment? And that's the question we have to answer. You know, sometimes when we look at people in the world, or even Christians, they're going to use this verse as a way to shield themselves from criticism. They're going to use it as a way to make themselves feel better about what they're doing and the choices that they're making in their lives. You look at atheists or agnostics sometimes, those who don't believe in God. A lot of times they're going to use this as a way to show an inconsistency in the teachings of Jesus. So it it's really can be a dangerous verse and one that we need to truly understand what it means when Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. Essentially what this verse has become is a way that helps us shield our accountability. And we have to understand truly what this means. When studying this lesson... You know, I came across a lot of different information. Uh, there was this one rap song, and I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't like rap music, but basically the premise of this is only God can judge me, and I can murder people, and I can do drugs, and I can do all these things, but only God can judge me on that. There's a little bit of truth in that. God's going to judge you for those things, but, but really, that's not what this means at all. I found a ton of, of quotes, things like, don't judge my choices if you don't understand my reasons, and don't judge me, you can't handle half of what I've dealt with. There are reasons I do the things I do, the reason, there are reasons I am who I am. So in other words, don't judge me because I've been through tough times in my life. Don't judge me because you don't know what I've been through. Don't judge me because you don't understand the reasons I did what I did. But is that ever a reason for sin? Does that give us a license to sin just because we've gone through tough times? Not at all. Absolutely not. But yet, this is what society tells you Matthew 7 and verse 1 is saying. That we don't have a right to judge actions. That we have no reason to ever make these judgments. So this morning, I want to focus on that. I want to think about what Scripture actually says to answer this question, are we to ever judge? Do we ever have that, that, a reason to, to make judgments in this life? So let's look, first of all, at the context of what's happening around Matthew 7 and verse 1. And to truly understand what he's saying, we cannot just take Matthew 7 and verse 1, out and put it, pull it out in isolation and say, well, Jesus said you can't judge, but that's exactly what's being done. When you think about what's happening in the context of, um, in which Jesus is making this statement, this is really just a continuation of a larger sermon. A sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And Seth talked a lot about this on, on Wednesday night. 
But when you look at the context of what's happening and what he's talking about, really Jesus is really encouraging us to do better, to go a step further. You think about what, what's taught in, the, in these chapters, 5 through 7. He talks about this idea of adultery. In the old law, if you commit adultery, that's not okay. Jesus says if you look on a woman to lust after her, you're committing adultery in your heart. See, it's not about just what we do. It's not about just what we don't do. It's about what's in our heart. He talks about this idea of murder. If you, if you murder somebody, you're liable to condemnation. You're liable to judgment. Jesus says if you are angry with your brother, you're liable to judgment. It's all about what's in your heart. And as he goes through the study, he, he talks about these two groups of people. And I want to just, just for a minute, just think about who these people were. The first ones that he talks about are the scribes. And when we look at the scribes, the definition in Strong of a scribe is a teacher or expert in the law, a scholar. This is somebody who knew the law. Their whole life duty was to study and, and, to study and interpret the law. That was their job. That's what they were called to do. They knew the word of God. The Pharisees, the definition for that is separate ones. Essentially what they were, were a Jewish party which professed strict adherence to the law. Now, when you think about the Jews, the Jews looked up to these people. At this time, these people in their eyes were the religious elite. They knew their stuff. They were the ones who were, who were righteous in the eyes of those people. But, you know, Jesus didn't necessarily see it that way. Jesus didn't agree with that statement. Not that he didn't love them, but he saw a problem in their lives. And we see in Matthew 5 and verse 20, he says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. They have a problem, don't they? There's an issue with some part of their lives. It says, if you don't do better, with your righteousness and the scribes of Pharisees, you are not entering into the kingdom of heaven. He saw an issue in their lives. And what he saw was that their heart was not in the proper place. Their motives were hypocritical. Their motivation was not out of a love for God. More than, most of the time, it was out of a love for themselves. They didn't, they didn't live their lives to, to proclaim the word of God they live their lives to build themselves up and to puff themselves up with pride. But you know, I can only imagine the people who are listening to Jesus give this sermon, what's going through their head. He's talking about the cream of the crop here. He's talking about, and he's talking about these people who, again, were the religious, religious elite at the time. But again, What's not, what, I mean, what's not good about these people? They knew the law. They professed strict adherence to it. In some cases, they followed it. What was not righteous about it? Again, I can only imagine what's going through their head, but you look at what he says. He's saying their righteousness is not, not okay. There's a problem with their righteousness, and it's a problem that that if not taken care of, could prevent them from entering into the kingdom of heaven. And that's a big problem. So when you look at this word righteousness, the definition for that is what is right, justice. The act of doing what is in agreement with God's standards, the state of being in a proper 
relationship with God. That's what righteousness is. And obviously, they had a problem with their righteousness. So what was wrong with their righteousness? And I think the key is it was their relationship with God. Part of righteousness is having a proper relationship with God. And their life had become this this life of not living for God, not, not having a proper motivation, but instead having a motivation to serve themselves. It was all about their self-righteousness. And Jesus expounds a little bit more on that as you go on in Matthew chapter 6 in the same sermon. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1, Jesus makes a statement here. And he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So he gives them this warning. He says, don't practice service to me so that other men can see it. Don't do it for, from an improper motivation. Again, you think about what, what this Sermon on the Mount is all about. A huge theme in this is where is our heart? Their heart was not in it. Their heart was not in the right place. They had come to a point where they valued the praise of men over the praise of God. And we see Jesus call this attitude out over and over. If you go to the next verse, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 2, he says, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, don't let let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who's in, who sees in secret will reward you. The first thing I want to point out here is what they were doing was not bad. Giving to the needy is something that we all need to be doing. It's something that we all need to be taking a part in as a Christian. The problem was, was the motivation in which they did it. It was about where their heart was. You see, they are proclaiming to be this unselfish person by giving so much to the the needy, but the whole motivation was to gain selfishly. Their motivation was to puff themselves up. Their heart was not in the right place. You go a little further down in verse 5, and he says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So again, prayer is something that we are commanded to do. It is an integral part of a Christian life. It is our way to communicate with God. And through that communication, we build our faith. And our our bond with Christ grows stronger. So it wasn't about what these guys were doing. What it was about was their motivation. It wasn't about them trying to build their relationship with God. It was about building themselves up. It was about letting other people see what they were doing and how righteous they were. But again, it wasn't about their relationship with God. It was about their relationship with themselves. It was about building themselves up. 
He goes a little bit further in Matthew 6 and verse 16. It says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Again, fasting can be a great thing for us. It can help us to grow stronger and more dependent on God. If you haven't heard David's sermon on this, it's a great one. Go look it up on the podcast. Fasting is something that can be very helpful to us. But it wasn't about what they were doing. It was about where their heart was. It was about them disfiguring their faces so people would see how much they're suffering for God. It wasn't about building a relationship. It wasn't about maintaining a relationship with God. It wasn't about a love for God. It was about a love for themselves. It was about their heart. And that's what we see in those examples. The action was, was fine. What they were doing was okay. It was about where their heart was when they were doing it. So as we come to the end of chapter 6, we come to this point in Matthew 7 and 1 where Jesus comes out and he says, Judge not, lest you be judged. And I think another way that we can look at that is look at the context after. So we understand kind of what we've talked about before, and we'll come back to that in a second. It's all about the heart, but now we have to look at what happens afterwards. And that's the fact that you don't have to look very far in, Matthew, in the same sermon to see that we are called to judge. There are times that we are called to make certain judgments, and it's important that we do that. You look at Matthew chapter 7, and verse 6. We're five verses after. He just said, judge not. But in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, he says, Do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. It's kind of an odd statement. I, I would agree with you on that. Dogs and pigs and all this other stuff. But the point here is, sometimes you just have to make a judgment. I want you to think about it this way. You go out and you're you spreading the word of God. You're preaching the gospel to somebody. And you're giving that message. A month goes by, they're not receptive to it. Two months goes by, they're not receptive to it. Three months goes by, they're not receptive to it. Sometimes they get angry with you. At that point, sometimes you have to make a judgment to say, maybe I should try something else. Maybe I should step back and rethink this. Not saying that we should just say, oh, I'm giving up on them. Or I get angry with them because they're not receptive with the word of God. But hopefully the word of God that we've planted will take root. You know, Danny explained this pretty well to me the other day. We were talking about it and he talked about this idea of throwing your pearls before pigs. And you think about pearls to these people. Pearls at that time were something of great value to them. He said, what good is it to take those pearls and toss it before a pig? That pig has absolutely no use for those pearls at all. None at all. It's, it's, it's a waste of time. Think about what's valuable to us as Christians. And that's our time. Our time is very valuable. And at some point, when we've preached and we've preached and we've talked and we've talked, sometimes we have to reevaluate where we use that valuable time. And that takes us making a judgment on the situation and what's happening there. We have to make a judgment sometimes. 
Same chapter, if you go to verse, or, or if you go to Matthew 7, verse 15, he says, Beware of false prophets who come into you, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears forth bears good fruit, but the diseased trees bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. We have this warning by Jesus, and he says, beware of these people who are going to come in and try to give, these, give you these false doctrines. They're going to come in, and they're going to teach you these things that are not according to, the, to God's word, and you have to be careful about that. He says, sometimes you have to make a judgment, first of all, on what they are bringing to you and the doctrine that they're bringing to you. He says, a lot of times you're going to be able to make a good judgment on the fruit that they produce. A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. Sometimes you have to look at the fruit that they bear. It's a judgment that has to be made. Same chapter. You go to Philippians chapter 2. Jesus is not speaking here. Paul is speaking. Talking to the Philippians, in verse 3, he says, do, not, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So he's saying, don't be selfish. Put others ahead of yourself. In verse 4, he says, let each of you not, look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So he's saying, sometimes we're not just, we, we can't just always look to our own, own interests. We have to look to the interests of others. And sometimes... That takes us making a judgment on how they are living their lives. Sometimes it makes us take, takes us making a judgment on the choices that they're making on how we're going to approach that situation. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, Paul says, Brothers, if anyone is caught up in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. How can we possibly restore somebody that's in a transgression if we do not make a judgment on the choices that they're making. We can't. But here's what I want to point out in what Paul says here. Yes, we have to make a judgment. But he says, first of all, you who are spiritual. And I think this will make a lot more sense here in just a minute when we look at the words of Christ. He says, you who are spiritual, help those who are, who are in sin. Help them. But he also says, do it with a Spirit of gentleness. It's all about where your heart is. It's all about how you approach that situation. So the question that we have to ask here, are the words of Jesus contradictory? Matthew 7, 1, judge not. But then over and over in the word of God, we see these times that we are to make judgments. And the answer to that question is absolutely not. He is not contradictory in what he says. And I think if we look at the remainder of what he says, after Matthew 7, verse 1, we're going to see exactly what he's talking about when he says, judge not. So let's go back and look. In Matthew 7, verse 1, again, he says, judge not that you be, that you be not judged, or judge not lest you be judged. When we look at that word judge, the definition for that is to decide, consider, as preferring one thing over another, or determining the correctness of a matter. By extension, to pass judgment on, condemn in a legal sense. Here's the problem. When we make our judgments, it should be over this idea of a correctness of a matter a lot of times. But too many times when we make our judgments, 
it's all about condemning. It's all about condemnation. And that's how we approach it. We approach others that are in sin in a way that we condemn them. And that's not okay. We have, ne- we have never been given the ability or the power to condemn anybody for anything. And yet, the way we approach it so many times, it's in a condemning manner. We've got to be careful. That's the job of Christ and God. That's not our job. Our job is not to condemn. Our job is to help. Our job is to love. You know, our, ju- our judgment should never come from anywhere but a place from, of love for God and a love for the souls of others. That's where our judgment needs to come from. Sometimes we make judgments on the actions of others because we see that they're on the wrong path. Sometimes we make judgments because we see that they don't realize what they're doing, that they're in sin. But most of the time when we make judgments, it's from a self-righteous attitude because we've puffed ourselves up. Sometimes we make judgments because somebody's offended us at some point in our lives and we want to get back at them. Sometimes we make judgments because our pride tells us that we're just a little bit better than we really are. Sometimes we judge to hurt others. Sometimes we judge to feel better about the situation that we put ourselves in. And that's the problem with judging. That's when Jesus says, don't judge. Not that you can't judge, but it's all about the heart. It's all about the motivation behind that judgment. Are we, are we judging from a standpoint of condemnation? Or are we judging from a standpoint of love? And that's, again, that's what it's all about. You think about Matthew chapter 6. We looked at the context of Matthew chapter 6. He talked about these ideas. First of all, he talked about this idea of charitable deeds. Again, it's not about the deed. It's what we're supposed to be doing. What it's about is, where was our heart? Did we do it from a hypocritical heart? Did we do it from an improper motivation? What about prayer? Prayer is important. It's something that we should all do to build our relationship. It wasn't a problem with prayer. It was a problem with the hypocritical attitude in prayer. Fasting, again, Something that can be helpful. Something that can build our relationship with God. But it wasn't about the act. It was about the heart. It was about the motivation. And the same thing applies to judging. It's not about the act. We're called to do it. What it's about is how do we approach that judgment? Where's our heart when we make that judgment? When we make judgments, and there are times that we need to make judgments, It has to be in a proper manner. He goes on in Matthew chapter 7, verse 2, and he gives a warning. And he says, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And that should be a scary thought to us. If we make judgments out of an improper motivation, that is a judgment without mercy. It's a judgment without forgiveness. And we better be careful. Because those that we judge, we're going to get the same judgment back from them. Those that witness us in that judgment, we're going to get the same judgment back from them without mercy, without compassion, without forgiveness. 
What about the judgment of God? Each one of us here today needs that mercy and forgiveness. We all need it. But we better be careful if this is how we're passing judgment on others. We can't expect God to judge us with mercy and forgiveness if we're not willing to judge also with mercy and forgiveness and out of love. And we've got to be careful. He goes on in the next few verses, and he goes into a little bit further detail about this hypocritical judgment. In verse 3, he says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? It's kind of a humorous statement when you think about it. I mean, you got this guy, and no, I did not draw this. Mine wouldn't be this good. But the, you've got this guy over here, and he says, dude, I think I got something in my eye. And then you've got this other guy, and he's got a two-by-four sticking out of his eye, and he says, hey, don't worry, I'll help you with it. I'll get it out. And that's what we do. We make these judgments on people, and we see what they do, and we see that they committed this sin, and then we're the first ones to say, hey, you're wrong. And then we're not willing to look at our own selves. We're not willing to look and step back and see that we have even more of a problem sometimes than what's going on with them. I want us to think about it in this way, and I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. Sometimes I do a little bit of work around the house, tile, you know, cutting wood, doing different things, and I don't always follow the OSHA recommended standards and go grab the, the safety glasses. I don't know if that's more of me just being prideful that my eye reflexes are that good, or maybe I'm just lazy, probably because I'm just too lazy. But I can tell you, you get something in your eye, it's a problem, and it hurts, and you don't, it's, it's not something you want to live with. It's a problem. But I can tell you, let's just say I get something in my eye because I was lazy, we'll just be honest, and I go to the eye doctor, and I need this, I need this out, I need help with it, and that eye doctor walks in, and he's got a two-by-four sticking out of his eye, and he can't even see my eye to help me fix it. Am I going to trust that doctor to help me in my situation? Absolutely not. I'm calling the Better Business Bureau. I'm, call, I'm, I'm figuring somebody out that can help me with this because it's not that guy. And that's what Jesus is saying. How can we call the sin out in somebody else's life when we can't even handle it in our own life? But yet, that's what we do. We make these judgments. And that's a problem. If you look at Luke chapter 6, it's a parallel passage to this one. Jesus is taught, it's the same, same, we're talking about the same exact thing. You look at verse 37 and 38, and he talks about this idea of judging with this attitude of condemnation, this hypocritical attitude. And in verse 39, he goes a little bit further. And it gives us a little more detail in what Jesus says. And he gives us a parable. He says, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into the pit? I mean, that's common sense. If you're blind, I'm not, if I'm blind, I'm not looking for somebody who's blind to help lead me where I need to go because they can't see any better than I can. Why would I trust that person? I'm going to look for somebody who has clear vision, who can see where I need to go that can help lead me where I need to be. He goes on a little further. He says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. What good is it to have a teacher that's no better off than you are? 
Are you going to learn much from them? You'll never exceed them. You'll never grow in knowledge more than them. Same idea. Why would, why would anybody trust us with their sin when they see us drowning in sin ourselves? There's no reason. And they won't. And that's exactly what Jesus is telling them at this time. If you've got a problem, you're not helpful. And you think back to Galatians 6 and verse 1, what did he say? Those who are spiritual, those who are right with God, those who are working on improving their lives by looking to God's word, that's who can help. And then Jesus gives a strong warning in Matthew 7 verse 5. And he says, you hypocrite. You hypocrite. You're full of sin and yet you're calling out the sin. You're judging others on their sin when you're not even taking care of it yourself in your own life. So again, he's not saying in Matthew 7 and 1 not to make a judgment. What he's saying is don't make an improper judgment. Don't make a judgment with an improper motivation. Make a righteous judgment. And then he goes on in the same verse and tells us exactly how to do that. He says, first, take the log out of your own eye. Take care of yourself first. Just like Galatians 6 and verse 1, those who are spiritual, if you're not spiritual, you're not in any position to help somebody that needs help with their sin. If you have a log in your eye, you're not in any position to help somebody who has a speck in their eye. Fix yourself. Work on yourself. I think of James chapter 1 and verse 23 talking about a man who looks in the mirror. He says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and once forgets and, and at once forgets what he's like. You know, I get up in the morning and as you can tell, I, I'm pretty prim and proper and I like to make sure my hair's okay. Actually, I don't have to do much. But the thing is, is if I look in the mirror and I see that my hair is all messy and I walk away and I don't do anything about it, what was the purpose of looking in the mirror? What was the point in that? There's no point at all. And that's exactly what he's saying here. We, we hear the word of God and we talk about it, but we're not willing to allow it to change who we are. We're not willing to make the change that it, it expects us to make. He goes on and he says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Are we allowing the word of God to change who we are? Because if we're not, we still have sin. If we're not, we're not trusting in his commands. If not, it's pointless. And that does not put us in a position where we can make judgments on other people on how they can live their lives better because we have a lot to work on. I think about Paul. Over and over, you look at, at the teachings of Paul and he talks about this idea of becoming a new creature, allowing the word of God to change your life and who you are. If you look at Colossians chapter three, he talks about how the old man died and no longer taking part in any of these things, you know, all the sinful things of this world. He talks about that. And then verse 9, he says, Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of the Creator. That's our job as Christians. To allow the Word of God to make a change in how we act and how we live. 
to understand when we're in the wrong so that we can make those changes based on the word of God. And once we do that, in the, in the same verse, he says, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of thy brother's eye. Once you work on yourself, once you allow the word of God to change how you live, how you act, once you show your true faith in God and it has changed who you are, then you can make a judgment. Then you can help your brother who has that speck in their eye. And again, I want us to understand, Matthew 7 and 1, he says, judge not. But it's not about not making a judgment. It's all about in how we make that judgment. Are we in a position to make that judgment? Are we doing it from a proper motivation? Because here he's saying, now you can take care of that speck. And think about it. That speck is a problem. It's something that needs to be taken care of. It's something that we need to be able to help do something with. But we need to make sure we're in a position to be able to do that. And that's not saying that we have to live a perfect life without sin. That's not what we're getting at here at all. But are we working towards a true service, a true righteousness, and a proper relationship with God? Because that's what this is all about. It's not about making judgments. Again, I think we've seen over and over, sometimes it's important to make judgments. Sometimes it's important for the souls of others that we make a judgment. Sometimes it's important for our own souls that we make a judgment. It's not about the act. Just like it's not about prayer, the act of prayer. It's not about the act of fasting. It's not about the act of charitable deeds. It's all about the heart. It's all about where our heart is. Where is our motivation? What's driving us to do that? Are we judging from a proper motive or an improper motive? And that's what it's all about. And when we understand that we give ourselves to God and, and we put ourselves in that proper relationship and we're working on that every day, we can go out and we can help the church. We can build the church by helping others see the blessings that come through a life and service to Jesus Christ. It's not about condemnation, it's about love. And that's what we have to understand. That's what Matthew 7 1 is all about. When we make judgments, let's make them from a proper heart and a proper motivation. Because again, we talked about that idea of not wanting to judge without forgiveness and mercy. And that leads us to the point that we're at today. We're all going to face judgment. At one point or the other, we're going to face a judgment by God. Luckily, he has given us the opportunity that we can be forgiven of our sins through his son who he sent to die on the cross for us, who shed his blood for us. And I ask that each one of us make a judgment this morning, one more judgment this morning, and that's a judgment on ourselves and where we are in our life. Are we right with God? If not, we need to fix that. Have we obeyed the gospel? If not, take the opportunity this morning to do that. Become a child of God. Maybe you're here and you're suffering in some way. Maybe you're struggling with a sin. Maybe you have a problem with an improper attitude or improper motivation. Whatever it is, we can pray for you. We can pray with you if you come to the front as we stand and sing.